message today is going to be, I, I feel, at least for me, when I was studying for it, I was like, oh man, like I didn't realize that that was something that I still struggled with. And uh, so we're going to continue in our series. I, I'm going to say it again, just kind of um, what I said last week about our series. We started with knowing Jesus deeply. We spent several weeks on that, the beginning, uh, the first few weeks, and then we've been on showing Jesus in our lives. And we talked about showing Jesus with our story uh, back, I think, at the beginning of December. And then we talked about showing Jesus in our spirit, that message that we all just love so much and none of us needed it. And then we talked about showing uh, Jesus through, um, showing his love through us. I believe that was last week and through compassion. And we're going to keep going through that. We're going to just talk about for the next few weeks, even after this, characteristics of Christ that should flow through us into the lives of others. Showing Jesus is not only about personal outreach or community outreach. It's not just, now that's part of it, showing Christ to our city and, and passing out tracts and giving the gospel out. Yes, extremely important. And it's not, not one is more important than the other. But part of showing Christ is also in our lives. Listen, I know a lot of people, and there have been, there have been times in my life when I, I may have been a great soul winner and passed a lot of tracts, but I was a jerk to people and I was rude to people and I was unkind to people and I was impatient with people. That is not showing Christ to others. And uh, so we're going to talk more about that. And I mentioned last week f- several groups of people that, that need to see the light of Jesus in our lives. It's not just lost people. I feel like so long we focus on, hey, we've got to be a witness to the lost. We gotta, and that's so true. But not just showing Christ to lost people in need of Jesus, but showing Christ to our families that we've been given, to my kids, to my wife. Uh, showing Christ to other believers that we know, not just, you know, the lost people, but other believers. It's easy to, man, have compassion for someone that's lost and reach out, but then when it comes to other believers, oftentimes we're like, yeah, I don't really like that person or this or that or the other thing. Whoever we come into contact with, we're supposed to show Christ to. So we're going to keep looking through this. The goal of the series is this. It's not just to give info about Jesus. It's not just to, just to list a bunch of characteristics about Christ and tell stories about Christ and, and, and things like that, but it's to walk out into this world and share Christ not just with our words and with our outreach and spreading the gospel, but with every part of our lives. And last week we talked about the love of Jesus through us, and this week we're going to take tackle something else. So I want to say this. The human mind is amazing. It just really is. I'm far from anything close to a scientist, and those of you who know me would probably agree with that. I hated science. But even with my feeble mind and my minimal knowledge of all things science, I can still say that the human mind is extremely complex and it's capable of so much, the human mind. It can solve problems. I think that, you think about that, we we just live our lives and forget how awesome our created beings are, how God created us. We can solve problems. Donald is eight years old, he's doing math and he's getting better and better at it. It was kind of a struggle, but like we can look at a problem, think about it in our minds and solve the problem. We can memorize problems. Donald's been memorizing multiplication facts. We can empathize with our, we can, we can hear someone's story and in our minds, in our hearts, uh, in, in that soul part of us, we can empathize, and empathize with them and kind of feel those feelings. We can learn new things. I feel like I'm constantly learning new things, not just about the word of God and things like that, but just in general. I mean, I could go out golfing with Dan, and he could probably teach me, and I could learn something new. By the way, golfing is hard. It really is hard. I don't know if I want to learn golfing. But I could. If I put practice in, my mind can learn things, and I can learn new things. The human mind is probably, to me, to me, just one of the coolest things about who we are and how God's created us. But the most interesting thing to me about the human mind, for me personally, is the capability of memories. Memories. 
I can remember vividly certain instances in my life, in my mind. I can see it. Like I can go back to a memory and, and see it. I can go back to when I was a kid. I was going to Bible Baptist Academy and it was my birthday and my dad would surprise us. He would often, um, you know, he wouldn't tell us anything, but he would show up at our school um, around lunchtime and pick us up before lunch, just surprise us and the teacher would be like, hey, your, your dad's here. Someone's here for you. It'd be my dad. I remember vividly me walking around the hallway through the locker room or whatever, or through the the lockers and seeing my dad there and then he took me out we got we got uh, lunch at white hot there in west springfield and then he took me to see the first pirates of the caribbean movie the first one in theaters it's a long time ago <laughs> and but i remember that vividly spending that time with him like i could i could remember getting to the theater and how excited it was no one was there it's a school day you're off of school and it's just me and dad in the theater it was so it was so fun i can go back to when i asked marissa to the junior high christmas banquet and she said yes Okay, I remember she was wearing a gray uh, Christmas gown, whatever you want to call it. I remember I we went to Pastor Tharp's house afterwards, and I gave her this cheap necklace I got at one of the side stations there at the mall. You know, it was like it was expensive. It was like thirty bucks. That's expensive for like a thirteen-year-old kid. Okay, it was it was awesome. I remember that night. I remember this is not in my notes, but I remember sometime after that when I was still crushing hard on Marissa. We were in the back of the van, and Pastor Robles was driving the van. And Matt Tharp was there. Joe was still there. And uh, you guys were probably in the van too. And Matt Tharp, and we were all talking like, oh, well, I like Marissa. And her dad heard this. He said, no one's allowed to like Marissa. <laughs> no one's except Dave for a while. I'm like, oh, okay, he scared me. But hey, I won, so that's fine. I can go back to the day when my grandfather got saved at a New Year's Eve service. I think you guys were probably there for that. Praying for him for so long, I remember him going to the altar with my little sister and praying and asking Christ to save him. I can, I can see it in my mind. I can go back to my engagement at Stanley Park there in Westfield when I asked Marissa to marry me. I can go back to my wedding day at Mountain View and uh, all the, the parts of that day. I can take you detail by detail. I can go back to the hospital the day each one of my kids was born. Donald was born in, at Mercy Medical Center there in, in uh, Springfield and then the rest of them were born in Michigan. I remember Charlie's had a crazy I remember I remember those days vividly. I can go back to my first day in full-time ministry, my first Sunday. It was just on my Facebook memories a few days ago. I can go back to that day. Obviously, I can revisit the most recent memories that I've had about Coastline. I can go back in my mind and tell you about it and tell you what probably things that I did and things that I said and things that I saw and, and maybe even sometimes what I was wearing because that's what our minds are capable of. It's truly remarkable. It's wonderful that I can go back in my mind and vividly see these times play out in my head. And it brings joy oftentimes. But there is a dark side to this incredible ability that we have. You see, for every pre precious memory that we can remember, there's usually a painful memory as well that we can remember. Maybe even more. There's times of loss. You lose a loved one. I remember the day Eric uh, was killed in a car accident. Eric Tharp was killed in a car accident. Our, our pastor's son. I remember that day. I remember the dog got out. I remember I was running up Michigan Ave, it was drizzly out, and I remember catching the dog. I remember my mom, I can, and it's terrible. I, it, these are the memories you don't want to remember. I remember my mom on the phone when whoever it was that told her that Erica had died and just how she just crumbled. My, my brother was in the car with him. How, how it just, the devastation and the fear in her eyes. I remember it clearly. And you remember times like that. And you get a phone call. When, you, when, when someone tells you something, when someone says, hey, I think you should sit down. Times of fear in our lives, times of anger, times of, of rage in our lives, when someone just got us so, we can remember those times. Listen, 
We've been married 10 years. We've had some pretty good fights. <laughs> We've had some pretty good arguments. Unfortunately, I can remember those times, how much of an idiot I was. Stupid things that I said. Isn't that terrible? We can rem- that's, listen, it's, there's a great part to that memory, but there's a part of it that's like, ugh. go back to times in my mind when I was wronged, when someone wronged me. I go back to, my, to my, uh, some times in my life when I was lied about. I remember how that felt. I can go back in my mind to a time when somebody talked about Seth's autism in a self-righteous way, saying that Marissa and I were using his diagnosis as a way to get out of doing our jobs in the ministry. I remember hearing that and how much that bothered me. We were wronged. I could take it back to several instances in my life when something bad happened to me because of somebody else's poor choices and all of us are there. All of us can remember times like that. Listen, the grace of God, I want to say this because I just said something bad happened to me. Listen, the grace of God, and by the way, this is our message today, showing Jesus his grace through us. The grace and providence of God never forces us to ignore reality. We don't just, it's not just like, well, all those things, they just, we just act like they never happened. And Listen, no, awful things do happen. Sin does rule in the hearts of other people, of many people. And we often will face the consequences of someone else's sin. That will happen. The grace of God, the providence of God, Him knowing everything that's going to happen. Listen, it never forces us to ignore what's happened and to act like it didn't happen. Each one of you can remember times when you have been hurt or wronged. All of us could. If we really thought about it, oftentimes we, we, we block those things away. But if we really thought about it, each one of us can remember times in our life when we have been wronged, when we have been sinned against. Each one of us more than likely has someone or several someones that we refuse to even think about just so that we can stay in a good mood. If we hear their name, it bothers us. If we see a picture of them on social media, it bothers us. It makes us mad. If we hear someone say something good about them, in our minds we're like, that's not true. They're an idiot. I can't stand that person. (laughs) Right? Amen, boss. We all got it. Listen, that, that's real life. We carry bitterness. We do. We carry bitterness like a ring on our finger. I have this wedding ring, and I've worn it for 10 years. Listen, it's been there so long, sometimes I don't even really notice it. I forget it's there. And that's how we carry bitterness often. That's it's true. been there for so long. We don't even notice it's there anymore. We, if someone said, hey, are you a bitter person? No, I'm not a bitter person. Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? No, no, I don't have any. But it's been there so long, we have just, it's been normalized. It's just normal. Unforgiveness is deep inside of our hearts to those who have wronged us. And we forget it's there. We forget it's there until we try to take a step forward in our Christian life. And suddenly we are instantly yanked back to that harsh reality of that unconfessed and often unremorseful sin of unforgiveness. Unremorseful. We feel like it's our right to be bitter. We have convinced ourselves that it's okay that I'm not forgiving that person. Pastor, if you only knew what he did to me, what she did to me, if you only knew what he or she said to me, if you only knew what I have been through, if you only knew what I went through uh, uh, without, what I went without because of my mom or my dad or this family member or, or what happened to me, if you only knew, you would understand. And listen, I hear you. I'm listening. I, I, 
I've, I've, I have heard the stories. And listen, I've lived some of the stories. I'm right there with you. We're talking about showing Jesus and His grace through us today. We have to. Amen. Not just the grace, as we've talked about the past few weeks, about being kind to people and, and kind of reaching out in love. I'm talking about a deeper grace here. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. Jesus says this. These, these are red letters. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. It's enough. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is not my note, but I, I just want to say this. I, I love what Paul says here. He says, most gladly, therefore, actually, I don't love it because it's hard to do. <laughs> most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. It is in those weak moments where it's hard not to be bitter and it's really hard to forgive and we recognize our weakness. And Paul says, listen, those are the best times for me. I glory in those times, in those infirmities, in those trials, in those hard times. Because it is in those moments that I realize I have nothing to give. And the power of Christ rests upon me. God gives grace to forgive. I don't want to forgive. It's not in my nature. And it's not in your nature either. I don't want to forgive. I want to be bitter. I have been wronged. They said that about me. They lied about me. They did this to me. I don't want to forgive. But listen, that is the beauty of it. Our Savior experienced every single hurt that we could ever hurt. He was betrayed. He was betrayed big time. He was lied about. His friends deserted him. He was mocked. He was physically abused. He was forsaken by his father. He took the blame for, he was given the blame for somebody else's wrongdoing. Has it ever happened to you before? You got blamed for something someone else didn't? It bothers you. I didn't do that. Listen, he experienced feeling forgotten, feeling misunderstood, being taken advantage of, and on and on we can go. Much more than that, our Savior experienced the hurts that many of us have faced. And after all of that and more, what did he say on the cross as he shed his blood? Father, forgive them. Because of who we have living in us and through us, we can forgive. We are capable. We have the power. And it's sure not of us, that power. Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, I love how, how the Word of God brings the gospel into something as simple as being kind and forgiving. He said, listen, we weren't forgiven just because God's really nice. That forgiveness was procured. It was it was because of Christ. For Christ's sake, that is why we're forgiven. Amen. It's a miracle of grace for us to choose forgiveness. It really is. Because it's not in us. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. And for some of us, it's a daily choice. 
We have to daily decide to forgive, and it must be chosen. We, we always are making a choice. We're never neutral on that. We're either choosing unforgiveness or choosing forgiveness. We're either choosing resentment and bitterness, or we're choosing grace. And between the two of them, between forgiveness and unforgiveness, and resentment and bitterness and grace, forgiveness is always the better choice. Right, unforgiveness is really the accumulation of, of unexpressed anger. That's what it is. Unexpressed anger, because that anger is often denied, it's easy to ignore it, and we think we're okay. All the while, that bitterness and that unforgiveness and that resentment is growing inside us like an invisible tumor, growing and growing. You ever try to hold a big beach ball, like an inflated beach ball, under the water, like push it under the water and hold it? It's like really hard to do, and then, you know, if, you're, if you try to, and then it'll pop up underneath and shoot out. Listen, that's what we try to do with our hurts. And with what, what, what we've been, how we've been wronged and that bitterness and anger. All the, we try to just kind of push it under the surface and kind of hide it. And then the, the slightest shift of pressure, things happen in our lives. It flies up and shoots out of control. We lash out. We crumble down. We have unforgiveness. We're slaves to it. We're slaves to it. We need the grace of Jesus through us to forgive. And to overcome bitterness. We need it. In 2 Peter, Peter's writing to fellow believers in his second letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and the last thing he tells them to do is this. He says in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Grace is not just a one-time reception at salvation. It's not. It's an ongoing process of sanctification. That is what grace is. It's not just, hey, I'm saved, got a home in heaven, hallelujah, not going to hell, amen. Listen, it's beyond that. Hey, praise God for the grace that's in that, yes. But it's not just that one-time reception. It's an ongoing process of sanctification. Listen, it is the will of God for you to live free of bitterness. That is the will of God. It is the will of God. Listen, for you to live a life free of unforgiveness is exactly what God wants for you. I know I can say that in full, 100% confidence. God does not want you to be a slave to someone who hurts you. Someone who, he does not want you to be a slave to that person. That person that hurts you, that wronged you, that lied about you, that you just haven't got over yet. And maybe you've forgotten about it for a long time, but this message is kind of bringing some things back into to the surface. And you realize, man, maybe I do have some bitterness. Maybe I do have some resentment built up inside me that I've tried to ignore. Listen, oftentimes those people don't even know that they have control over you. Christ is your freedom. Amen. For some of us, and some people that I've talked to in my life, that we've talked to in our lives, teenagers that we counseled with, it's like the clock has stopped in their life. They're, they're stuck at the moment when it happened, whatever it was. Whatever it was that generated that bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart, and they're, they're kind of stuck there. We've talked to teenagers who graduate high school, and they, were, they had something happen when they were a kid, and they just never really got past that point. They try, they try, they try, they try to, to overcome it in their own power. But the second they have to talk about it, the second it gets brought up, man, they're just, they're done. They're, they're, they're inconsolable. They're, they're frozen. I've talked to people there, stuck at that time when they were molested or abused or abandoned or hurt. I have been in that place of unforgiveness. 
I've been realizing it. But it was a beautiful moment when I realized that I didn't have to live there. I didn't have to live there with unforgiveness. I didn't have to live there with resentment. I didn't have to live there with bitterness. I didn't have to live there. He gives grace to forgive. He gives grace to go on. And again, not acting as though it never happened. Not saying that. But resting in his truth. Resting in his truth. Because listen, although some of us have been sinned against, listen to this, all of us, I'll say, we've all been sinned against by somebody. But unforgiveness is also a grave sin in the eyes of God. And oftentimes, unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment that we keep, it often does more damage in our lives, in our spiritual lives, and in really our lives in general, does more damage. That unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness does more damage to us than the original sin that was committed against us. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. That, that looking diligently, it's almost like see to it. Like, hey, make sure. Listen, don't, don't forget that you have been given grace. You have got to accept that truth. You have been given grace to forgive. And if you forget that, when we forget the grace that we have been shown, we're not going to show grace to anybody. And that root of bitterness will spring up. And it's true, many are defiled. It does mess with more than just you. The truth is, we're not alone in this. It, this is the norm, unfortunately. It's not like a few people, you know, in a group of a thousand, a handful struggle with unforgiveness. Probably most of us do. Most of us do. Most of us have resentment. Well, it's not that bad. It's just, I don't really like that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> I don't really like that person. This and that. And, and, and we just kind of try to whitewash it all and act like, well, I never was abused as a kid, so I don't have any unforgiveness. But, but then if we really look deep, there is some of that there. We just try to act like it's not as bad as it is. And we try to, we just, we're self-righteous in our thoughts of ourselves. Most people have some form of resentment, unforgiveness, or bitterness in us. We may mask it with laughter and bury it with busyness and just kind of try to go on through life. But if we got honest with ourselves and with God, we are not free. We're not free. When you live with unforgiveness, however it's labeled, if it's resentment, if it's bitterness, when you live with unforgiveness, you live hostage to the pains that you have endured. And you give those pains, you give them the liberty to define who you are, where you're headed and how you get there. You're a slave to it when you live with an unforgiveness. Hey, listen, like I said earlier, it's, it's not like we can't make it work for a while. I've talked to so many people that have said things like, man, I haven't thought about that in years. They start talking about stuff that's happened to them. I haven't, I, haven't I haven't even thought about that in years. And they begin to realize how much it's held them back. So when you live with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness towards a father or a mother or a family member or a friend or a boss or a child, and you live with that and you get so used to it, it becomes just kind of a normal part of your nature and you kind of, you can, you can still be cordial and friendly and kind, but... But if you really thought about it, there's bitterness. When you, when you live with that unforgiveness, don't take care of it. You live hostage to that pain that you've endured, that wrong that's been committed against you, and you give it the liberty to define who you are. 
and where you're headed and how you get there. Here's the sad truth. Everyone gets hurt. Everybody, everybody gets hurt. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But we have a choice. <laughs> we have a choice. Our only hope lies in realizing that we do have a choice about how we respond to life's circumstances. Did you catch that? Our only hope lies in realizing that we do have a choice about how we respond to life's circumstances, to what has happened to us. God didn't forgive us just because of his kindness and his love. I mentioned that earlier. The reason God forgives any of us is because of Calvary. That is why he forgives us, because of Calvary, because of the agony that Jesus felt. That was because of us. Because of us. Imagine what God the Father and his Son must have endured that day when our sin, my sin, suddenly for the first time ever interrupted their eternal fellowship. The first time ever their fellowship was interrupted because of my sin. Because of our sin. But that is how our forgiveness was won. That's how our forgiveness was won at Calvary. In him, the Bible says, we have redemption through his blood. Amen. Forgiveness is never meant to be free and easy. It wasn't easy for Christ. It wasn't easy for God the Father. Sent his son. Gave his son for us. It's costly. It's painful. But that is the only way it can be real. The forgiveness in our lives. Like God's forgiveness. Real enough to change us when it does cost us and when it is painful. So you know the story of Job. Job lost everything. Job lost everything. And God knew about it. And God gave the okay. All that happened to Job. Listen, this is a hard truth to realize. And, and, and as I was studying this, and, and I was like, man, whatever crisis that you're facing or that you faced in your life, whatever trial, whatever wrong was committed against you, whatever it was, no matter how painful, no matter how scarring, no matter how challenging, no matter how tough it was, God could have stopped it, but he didn't. He could have stopped it. The worst thing that has ever happened to you in your life, the greatest loss you have suffered, the greatest wrong committed against you, God could have stopped it, but he didn't. Why is that? In times of pain, in those times we often, uh, that, in those times that often bring unforgiveness, we claim Romans 8.28 that says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And then we're the called according to his purpose. But how, but how can that verse be true? How can he make good of something so bad? And really you see the answer in the verse that's often forgotten, and that's verse 29, when it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Why is it that the things in our lives that we hate, God could have stopped them and he didn't? Why is that? How can he make good of it? Because he is conforming us to the image of his son. If you're a child of God, the ordeal that you're facing or that you faced in the past, the trial, the hurt that you have faced, you're facing now, that you faced in the past, however wrong or unfair or heartless it may have been, in his providence, with his skillful hands, it will be used to take you somewhere good, deeper into his heart, to a place of greater dependence and trust, more 
perfectly refined and conformed into the image, into the likeness of Christ. That is what they are meant to do. That is why God allowed it to happen. Not to mess with you, not to hurt you, just to, to annoy you, to frustrate you, to ruin your life. No! Because it is those darkest times of loss and of hurt that draw us deeper into a greater dependence. Think of Calvary again. All the pain, all the hurt, the, the, the atrocity of it all. The cross, carrying that cross up the hill, whipped and mocked and spit upon and nailed to a cross and just, just the worst of the worst. Who could let this happen? Who planned all of this out? Who could see any good thing coming out of this? Only the God who could see ahead to the resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah. Only God who knew what was coming. We don't see the future. We don't know what, what can come of the trial. We don't see that, but God does. And it's the same in your life. You may not see why, but you must rest in Him and His grace. You have to let His grace his cross set you free from your bitterness and unforgiveness. You've got to make the choice to forgive, even though it will cost you. And you have to, you have to look in a greater way. I asked my wife this morning, I said, how, how do you forgive? How is it that, because Marissa's forgiven me for a lot of stupid stuff in my life. I said, how is it that you for, you've forgiven me all these, all these years? And she said, you know, she said, I often have to remind myself of the grace that I have been shown from the Lord. She goes, and I, when I remember the grace that I have been given, the verse that says, to whom much to give much will be required, because I think of the grace in my life, and I have no right to not forgive somebody else, and I have no right to show grace. Listen, we are people, we are created beings built to receive grace and to give grace. We have to make that choice to forgive, even though it will cost you. Even though it's painful to bring, to, to bring up things and to think about things. We don't want to do that. But you have to choose to believe in the God who was greater than the sin committed against you. Those dark times, those times of loss, those times of hurt. We're listening. Like I said, we're not ignoring the reality. Of what, we're not acting like things didn't happen. Things have happened to us. Times, listen, things do hurt. Words do hurt. Actions do hurt. Yes. But it's in the fire where we really get to know Jesus. It's in the fire when we, have, when we let go of the reins and we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I can't do this. I can't forgive this guy. So I have, I have, I mean, I, I am reminded often of the resentment that I have towards people in my life. I'm often reminded of it. And, I, and, I, and every time I'm convicted and ask Lord for grace to forgive. Not to act like things didn't happen, but to forgive. So in our lives today, show the grace of Jesus through your forgiveness. It's only through, his, it's only through the grace of God and the power of Christ that you can forgive people. That's right. It really is. It's the only way. Listen, and that person that needs forgiveness, they may never even know that you have forgiven them. They may never even know, but you will. So show the grace of God, the grace of Christ in your life through forgiveness. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask any questions. I just want to give you a moment or two to reflect and think about your life and think about your heart. Maybe it's not, 
resentment towards a specific person. Maybe it's resentment towards God. Listen, if someone in your life, if you lose someone in your life, you can't really blame that person, you know, unless they made a poor decision and, and, and took their own life, things like that. I understand that. But if someone just passed away or someone, or someone just left, listen, you, you can't, listen, someone, someone uh, a father abandoning his child is a lot different than a father, you know, dying of cancer and that kid's left alone and, and wondering, who's he going to be resentful towards? His dad? No, he's going to be resentful towards the one who he believes is in control. Maybe your resentment and bitterness and anger is not towards a specific person. Maybe it's towards the Lord. Maybe the reason you have such little patience and such unforgiveness in your heart towards everything that happened in your life to other people is because really, deeper than it all, uh, you're mad at God for what He has done to you. <laughs> but if you could just believe and understand the truth that as a child of God, everything that you have faced is meant to draw you closer to Him into a deeper dependence on Him. Listen, He sees what we don't. He sees ahead. You've got to be able to believe that. Choose forgiveness. Choose grace. And when you choose those things, you are choosing a life of peace and a life of true joy. Lord, we love you. We need you today. Would you bless us as we go about our ways? This is a tough message to preach, and it's an even tougher message to live. So would you give grace to each one of us today, Lord? You, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. Please, would you just work on us and work in our lives and work on our hearts and bring us closer to you. Help us to be fully, 100% dependent upon you. We love you. And we, are, we need your rescue, and we are desperate for you, Lord. Help us to have hearts of desperation for you and for your grace. In Jesus' precious name, we ask for these things. Amen.